We're going to be in Matthew chapter 15 today. If you'd like to turn there or pull it up on your phone or your tablet or whatever it is that you're using. We're continuing our series today that's entitled Living an Epic Life. And John 10.10 is the basis for the series about an epic life. And the Bible says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have what? Life. Life. Okay. It's the same thing as every, every other week. If you work with me, we get to lunch quicker. That's just how it is. So uh, uh, he came that we might have life to the full. That's an epic life. Mark, Mark 12, 30 says that, that an epic life is a life where you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And if we want our lives to count, if we want our lives to make a difference, if we want to live an epic life, then we have to have a passionate heart. If we'll stretch our heart toward, uh, toward other people, God will enlarge our life. An epic life requires an inspired soul. That's a soul that is easily impressed by the greatness of God. Uh, an epic life requires a curious mind that, that asks how can I make this world better? And an epic life has an empowered strength because you, you can't just lie around and wait for God to do something. A person living an epic life says, God, please bless and anoint this thing that I'm offering to you. Take the work of my hand and do something with it. And then we looked at David and Joab the first week and we talked about epic adventure. Anybody remember epic adventure? You remember that? They begin with uh, seemingly impossible odds. They, they start when somebody makes a courageous decision and then they, they continue if we trust God and rely on his power to help us. And then, then last week, we, we looked at epic victory with Samson. Samson was a man who was full of failure, wasn't he? But he was also a man who was full of faith. The Bible tells us that Samson, in spite of all of his flaws and failures, was a man of faith. And we talked about how we need to learn to reclassify our problems as opportunities for God to work a miracle in our lives and, and if we want epic victory in our life, we have to be willing, uh, have a willing mind to look for something to use. Do you remember what Samson found to use? Anybody remember what he found to use? It was a jawbone of a donkey. He used what he had, and God made up for what he didn't have. And the truth is that, that as we learned last week, you will find what you're looking for. If Samson had been looking for an excuse to, to quit, he would have found one. But Samson wasn't looking for an excuse to quit. He was looking for a reason to fight. And he found that reason in a jawbone. And with it, he killed a thousand men and fulfilled his mission. Well, today, we're going to be talking about the story of an anonymous woman. We don't even know what her name is. Scripture doesn't tell us very much about her at all. See, so far we looked at a king, a general, and a judge, but today I'm going to be talking about an unnamed woman. And the, the part of the point I want you to gather from this is that you don't have to be a king, and you don't have to be a general, and you don't have to be a judge to live an epic life. You can be an unknown woman. You, you don't, we don't even know this woman's name, and yet she had epic faith. Look at what the Bible says in Matthew 15, verse 28. Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. He said, woman, you have what? Great faith. Great faith. And if I was to read this to you out of the original Greek, the word that's translated great, you would know it immediately because he said, woman, you have, uh, you have mega lay faith. He, he said, in essence, he said, woman, you have mega faith. He, he, everybody say mega. mega. Say mega faith. mega faith. 
mega is epic. He says, woman, you have epic faith. Woman, you have mega faith. He says that she has the greatest faith he has ever seen because the word mega describes something that is so large that nothing is bigger or greater. And you say, why do you say that, Pastor Abe? It's because I have bought hair products in the past. Anybody, somebody like, I have, I have. Listen, listen, here's the thing. I, I, I buy them from time to time. If you look at the labels, what you see on there, you'll have one that's like, it says, it says it's a it's strong hold. It's a hold, all right? And then there's, you step up and then there's super hold, right? But then you get to the, if you want to turn it into concrete like what I got on my head right now, if you want to do that, you got to go buy, step up to the mega hold, right? How many hear what I'm saying? All right? So, like, if you go to the convenience stores and you want to get a drink, you can either get the, the big cup or you can step up and get the giant cup. Or if you're really thirsty and want to go to the bathroom all day long, then you've got to get the, the mega size cup. The mega is the biggest, right? Mega. He says, you have mega faith. You have the biggest faith I've ever, I've ever seen. How many in this place would like to live with mega faith? Say amen. How many of you would like to have epic faith? Amen. Amen. See, you don't have to be a king. You don't have to be a general. You don't have to be a judge. You don't have to be rich and famous. You can be an unnamed, unknown woman and have mega faith. You can be an ordinary person and still live with epic faith. How many of you are facing a battle, facing a struggle, facing a problem, and you could use some, some, some epic faith in your life? Say amen. Let's look at the whole story. We'll, we'll get to where Jesus said that. We'll, we'll back up to verse 21 and see what epic faith does. Verse 21 says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Let me just stop there for a second because Jesus withdrew from, from where he was. He had been doing ministry someplace. He left and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. I want you to understand something here. This is the farthest uh, that Jesus ever traveled during his entire ministry on earth. And Tyre and Sidon, those places were not located within the land of Israel. Tyre and Sidon, are, 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 they lie outside of Israel's borders. Jesus has gone on this trip to, into Gentile territory. It's outside the land occupied by the people of God. It's outside the place where you would actually expect to find epic faith. How many of you understand that sometimes you find faith in the last place you would expect to find it? He didn't find faith in the temple. He didn't find faith with the Pharisees. He didn't find faith, faith with the Sadducees. He didn't find faith with all the religious leaders. But he finds this epic faith outside of the people of God. You know what? When, when God was looking for who was going to be the father of faith, where does he find him? He finds Abraham in the city of Ur. Ur. I mean, that doesn't even sound pleasant, does it? You know, where are you from? Ur. I'd move out of there as quick as I could, too, just, just so I didn't have to tell people. Where is Ur today? Well, there is no city of Ur today, but the place where it used to exist is inside this, the country of Iraq. And so God found epic faith in this primitive nation that was a precursor to Iraq. God finds epic faith in this woman who is a Gentile, who's living in the region of Tyre and Sidon, who's living outside of the people of God. Sometimes in the place where you think you're going to find faith, there is no faith. And then sometimes in, in the place where you would not expect to find any faith, you find incredible faith. Jesus finds faith. Look at next verse, verse 22. Well, verse 21, 
Let's start there again. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering, suffering terribly from demon possession. The person who Jesus says has this epic faith wasn't a man, it was a woman. All the sisters said amen. amen. The men were in charge, but the woman had the faith. Think about it. How many times did Jesus say to his disciples that they had great faith? I don't remember a lot of times when he said anything like that to them. I remember him saying things like, oh, you of, oh, you of little faith. Yeah. You know, Jesus, why can't we cast this demon out? And he's like, how long am I going to have to put up with you? Jesus, Jesus, this boat is going to sink. We're all going to die. Oh, you of little faith. The people you would think would have great faith. The people that were with him all the time, the people that saw miracle after miracle after miracle, he keeps saying that they have little faith. But notice this, Jesus never comes back and says, man, I just ran into somebody today, they were just really sharp. He never talks about that. He never says, man, I ran into somebody today, you should have seen, man, you should have seen their camel. It was decked out like you wouldn't believe they had a leather saddle on that thing. It was awesome. He never says, I ran into somebody today that, man, they had so much money. I ran into somebody today that was so good looking. But over and over, Jesus evaluated people using different criteria. Jesus never evaluated people by their money, by their looks, or by their intelligence, which is exactly how we tend to evaluate people in America, especially on, on looks and on money. Uh, but, but Jesus evaluated people by their faith. He evaluates people, but he says they either have no faith or they have little faith or they have great faith. He couldn't do many miracles in his hometown because of their lack of what? Lack of faith. And Matthew 9, 29 says, according to your faith, let it be to you. Over and over and over, Jesus is looking at people, but he's not looking at how wealthy they are or how beautiful they are or how intelligent they are. He's looking to see if they have faith. And he finds this woman who has this epic, mega, incredible faith. She's a Gentile woman, which is already a kind of a strike against him, against her. And she comes to him crying out. I want you to picture it. Here's Jesus teaching, you know, just walking around, doing what he does. And this, and this woman comes up to him, and she does not come politely. Did you notice that? She didn't make an appointment. Jesus, can I come see you next Tuesday at around, you know, 1 o'clock in the afternoon? She doesn't st take a number and say, okay, I'll wait quietly until you call my number. She comes in crying out. She is yelling at the top of her lungs. And she says in verse 22, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. I've got a couple of thoughts on that. The, the New King James Version says that she is severely uh, demon-possessed. That confuses me a little bit because I'm just thinking if you're demon-possessed at all, that's pretty severe, you know, but, but she's suffering terribly from this demon possession, you know, and I'd be like, I mean, it's obviously saying, you know, you're saying she has a junior demon? What's the deal? I don't know. But, but anyway, she's trying to get this woman's attention. She's trying to get Jesus's attention. And she's saying, Jesus, this is a severe case of demon possession. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I don't know about you, but, but that prayer sounds familiar, doesn't it? 
Have you read that somewhere else in your Bible? How many of you remember, remember old blind Bartimaeus? Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus is coming down the road and Bartimaeus finds out that it's Jesus that's coming and he begins to cry out. He begins to, 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 to yell out. He begins to, to stir things up. He won't be quiet. And what does he say when he cries out? Bartimaeus cried out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Exactly the same prayer. This woman, she's a Gentile, but somehow she has heard of Jesus. She has heard of the things that he's done. Otherwise, she wouldn't be coming to him and, and saying, I know that you can help me with this. Because if she's never heard of him, then, then, uh, then he, she wouldn't be there. And she wants him to know as she comes that she believes that he's the son of David. That she, she, She's a Gentile woman. She wants him to know that she believes he's the Messiah. She wants him to know that she believes he's the Lord. She's obviously heard about the great things he's done. And she decides... She's heard about these stories. Maybe she even heard about blind Bartimaeus. And she decides to cry out the very same thing that other people have cried out. So she cries out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. I want you to get this. She prayed the right way. She said the right words. Blind Bartimaeus prayed the same way and, and he got the answer. So she prays exactly the same way. And then look what Jesus does. Verse 23. Jesus did not answer a word. In response to this woman's desperate prayer, Jesus didn't answer her at all. Seemed as if he ignored her. Wow. But I prayed the right way. Lord, I, I used the right formula. Lord, I, I said the right words. I prayed exactly what my neighbor prayed and my neighbor's kid got healed. But you're not saying anything to me. You ever been there? You ever been there? Lord, I, I read the book on prayer. I, I went to the conference of faith. I, I set everything up the right way. I declared it. Lord, I spoke it. I said everything you're supposed to say. And yet my prayer got stamped return to sender when my friend over there, who, by the way, I know they do not give nearly as much as I do in the offering. I've seen how they live, Lord God. And yet he gets the answer and I don't get my answer. You know, a lot of us would say, well, if you're just going to ignore me, Jesus... I'm out of here. You ever prayed like that? I know you have. Oh, you didn't say it like that because you're way too spiritual for that. You're spiritual. Right? Here's what you said. You say, okay, well, I prayed it once. I'm not, God didn't answer, so it must not be his will, so I'm just not going to pray for that anymore. I prayed for my daughter's healing, and it didn't happen, so I, I'm just going to be done praying for that. Listen, epic faith does not give up. Epic faith does not give up. Look at what this woman does. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. So here's the deal. She doesn't get an answer from Jesus. So what does she do? She goes and starts talking to the disciples. Hey, Matthew, Jesus isn't answering my request. There's anything you can do? Maybe you've got an end. Can you set up a meeting with me? How about you, Peter? Anything you can do? Andrew, is there anything you can do to help me out? I don't know what's going on. James, what about you? Help me. Help me. John, help me. Somebody help me. 
The disciples said, Jesus, send her away because she keeps crying out after us. She keeps crying out after them, help me, help me, help me, heal my daughter, heal my daughter. Listen to me. Epic faith does not give up and epic faith does not shut up. I thought somebody might hear that this morning. Epic faith does not shut up. Jesus said uh, in another place, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you've got epic faith, you need to keep declaring the thing that God has put into your heart. If you've got epic faith, you need to keep holding on to the promise that God whispered in your heart. You need to hold fast to your confession of faith. You need to believe that you're going to be healed. You need to believe that your provision is going to come. You believe that God's going to save that person you've been praying for. You've got to continue to believe it and continue to speak it out in faith. You've got to be like the psalmist when he wrote in Psalm 27, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Even if it feels as if Jesus is ignoring you, you keep declaring your faith. And and I want to say this, it doesn't mean that you can just declare whatever you want and God has to do what you say. That's not what it means at all because then you'd be God and he wouldn't be. But he is God. I'm saying that you declare your faith in God on a matter and until God makes it clear that he has a different plan, you continue to pray and you continue to seek, you continue to speak. You don't quit because the answer doesn't come quickly. You don't quit because the answer doesn't come easily. You don't quit because you face opposition to your answer. You, what you really doing is you declare your confidence in the Lord and you leave the rest in his hands it's like Shadrach Meshach and Abednego I love that anybody here love the story of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego you know who I'm talking about right some of you you, I mean you got an extra hour of sleep and you still seem sleepy today but uh, you know they, they were the three Hebrews that got thrown into the fiery furnace and 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 you know the king had set up King never had a Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar. Um, he he set up this false, this uh, this this uh, this big statue and said, when the music starts, everybody's going to bow and worship. And they said, we can't do that. And so the music started, and they didn't they didn't bow down. They're pulled before the king, and he is furious. And he's saying, listen, uh, if you don't bow, we're going to start. I'm going to give you one more chance. We're going to start the music again. And if you don't bow down, we're going to throw you into this furnace over here. And you're going to die in the furnace like the dogs that you really are. And, they, and they, this was their response. They said, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us out of your hand. That's very interesting there because he said, we know that he's able to do it, and he will rescue us out of your hand. They're saying, listen, we're going to be rescued out of your hand whether we live or die. They said, our fate is in the hands of God. Our ultimate eternal fate is in the hands of God. There's nothing you can do to alter that. And then he said, oh, uh, they said that. But then, but even, listen to what he says. They say, even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That's faith saying, I know God can do this. I'm believing God to do this in my life. But even if he does it, it changes nothing about who he is. It changes nothing about the way I'm going to worship him. Even if he does it, I'm still not going to bow down to any, any false god. God will heal me, but even if he doesn't, I will serve him. God will deliver me, but even if he doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that he is God Almighty, that he is the creator of all that is seen and unseen, that he is the savior of the world, that he is the Lord of all epic faith 
holds on to God and declares the goodness of God regardless of circumstances until the last breath is breathed. Amen. Give God praise. Epic faith never gives up. Epic faith never gives in. Epic faith never gives out. And this woman doesn't give up. She doesn't shut up. She holds on to her faith in spite of the delay. I mean, surely after all this, Jesus is going to answer her, her request now. First, Jesus doesn't answer, but look what happens next. Verse 24, he answered, finally answered, finally answered her. But this is what he said. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. You know what? You know what? Let me just translate that into modern language. He said, sorry, you're not on my agenda today. You're not on my, not on my agenda. Wow. I mean, doesn't that seem harsh? I mean, it's one thing to be ignored, but it's a whole different thing to get the wrong answer. That's not what she was looking for. She's not looking for Jesus to say, listen, woman, I'm here for the nation of Israel. See, how many understand that God operates on the principle of covenant? He had a covenant with the nation of Israel. This woman, being a Gentile, has no standing within the covenant. She had no right to come to Jesus. She had no right to ask for anything. You say, well, I don't understand all those rules and regulations. Well, sometimes we don't understand how God operates, but God still operates the way he's going to operate. That's what it says in Psalm 115. Our God is in heaven. I love this next line. He does whatever he wants. That's kind of the definition of God to me. You know? And in this case, he's saying, I'm operating under the law of covenant. And you're not a member of the covenant. And because you're not in the covenant community, you have no standing to even bring this request to me. I have not been sent here for you. I've been sent here for the children of Israel, the children of the covenant. You're not on my agenda. Now, how many of you, if you'd been in this woman's shoes, you might be saying something like, oh, really? Now, listen, I know we got some southern women in this congregation. I know how you react. You'd get that, you'd get that head swivel going. And you'd be like, oh, is that right, Mr. Jesus? Let me tell you something. I know how it would go. I can't do the head swivel. I'm not a southern woman. What can I say? You'd say, you know what, Jesus? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go find somebody else that will put me on their agenda. I don't need you. But look at what this woman does. She's amazing. It says the woman came and knelt before him. Some translations say the woman came and worshipped him. Lord, help me, she said. Isn't that incredible? She gets no answer. And then when she finally gets an answer, she gets the wrong answer. But her response, her reply is to just come and worship. She comes and she kneels down. I don't want to tell you the truth. Sometimes the answers we get are not going to be the answers that we want. Has that ever happened in your life? But even in the midst of searching for answers, even when we don't find the answers we're looking for, or even when it seems like God's not answering and we're not hearing what he's trying to say to us, in the middle of searching for answers, the best thing we can do is just come to the Lord and just worship him. Here's a principle for your life that we can learn from this woman. You, listen, hear me on this. You can worship 
beyond your ability to understand the situation. The woman says, you're giving me a lesson on covenant, but I don't care about the covenant. I care about my daughter. But even though I don't understand where you're coming from, I know that you're a Lord. You are the son of David. And I'm going to worship you whether I get the answer I want from you or not. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to lift my my voice to you. I'm going to worship you because you are Lord. You can worship beyond your circumstances. In fact, can I tell you this? If if your worship is tied only to your circumstances, that's, that's really not even worship at all. That's a quid pro quo. That's you do this for me and I'll do that for you, Jesus. You can worship beyond your circumstances. Think about Job. You know, we read the book of Job. And uh, the thing is, we can read the book of Job and we don't feel too badly for Job. You know? You know Why? It's because we've already read the last chapter of Job. We've read the part where, where God rewards him for his faithfulness and, and he you know, gives him back everything that he had doubled and, and, and everything's good and everything's happy. And so we read what's happening to Job and we're like, oh, that's terrible, that's terrible. Don't worry, Job, it'll be all right. We don't, we don't get too worked up about it. But you know, think about this. Job did not know that he was in a test defending the honor of God. He didn't know what was going on. If he had known what he had been in for, it might have been a little easier. If God had come to him and said, Job, now listen, the devil's coming and he wants to test you. But in the end, if you don't, if you don't give up, I'm going to give you back everything double. Then if he had known that from the beginning, it might have been easier for him to endure. But he didn't know it. He didn't know it. So he loses his kids. Can you imagine the horror of that? All of you parents here, can you, I, I, I know that you, the thoughts cross your mind because when you, somebody you love loses a child and you think, oh my goodness, what would I do if it was my child? We, can you imagine what it was like for Job? He loses all of his children. He loses all of his wealth. He's, he's penniless. He's, he has, family is completely gone. And then on top of that, he loses his health. He's covered completely by boils. The only thing he doesn't lose is his wife. And, and some people are really hard on Job's wife. I, I tend to give her a little bit of grace because I think she really loved him. I think she just wanted his suffering to stop. And I think that's why she said, why don't you just curse, curse God and die? I don't think she was a bad person. But Job responded to all of this by saying this, though he slay me. Yet will I hope in him. He said, it doesn't matter what, what happens. If he even, if he kills me, if he wipes me from the face of the earth, yet I'm still going to worship him. I don't understand. I don't know all the answers. I'm even confused about the question. And the woman, in essence, said, I didn't know what, that, that I was even asking about covenant. I thought I was asking about healing. I don't get it all, but here's what I do understand. I understand that he is Lord, that he is the son of David. He is the Messiah, and, and I'm not. I understand that he is Lord, and I'm not, so I'm just going to worship him. And, and so that's what this woman does. And now look at what happens next. Because that's got to be it, Right? That's got to be the answer. Surely this moved Jesus to act, right? I mean, she prays the prayer the right way. She decrees her faith. She doesn't stop. She doesn't give up. And even when she gets an answer that she doesn't want, she worships Jesus. Surely this is all it's going to take. 
But look at what Jesus does. Now, this is going to be hard for some of us. But we need to understand Jesus was trying to do something in this woman that is painful to watch. And sometimes God's doing something in somebody you love that's painful to watch. Sometimes he's doing something in you that's painful to watch. She's come to him and he's ignored her. She's come to him and he's denied her. And now she comes to him again. And look at what he says. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. He, he just called her a dog. Did you see that? Right there in the Bible. It's in red. Jesus said it. Look at it. My ministry is to the children of Israel. It's not right for me to take the food out of their mouths and give it to their dogs. To give it to the Gentiles. To give it to people who aren't part of the covenant. And that's, I mean, we thought it was harsh, but now it really seems harsh. And there's some commentaries that, that try to help Jesus out by saying that dog was an affectionate term and it meant something like a little puppy. But you know what? I looked it up in that Greek word that's translated dog. You know what it means? means dog, like a hound dog. Jesus is saying, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. Crying out all the time. You ain't never been an Israelite. You ain't no friend of mine. Something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, can you believe he said that? If I'd been one of his disciples, I'd have been so embarrassed. You know, anybody been embarrassed for somebody else? You ever been with somebody and you're like, oh, oh, oh. I'm sure the disciples were like, oh, gee, oh, Jesus, oh, Lord, Lord, please. You know, we're, we're not in Israel. We're among Gentiles. This is not a good thing. Why are you calling her a dog? You know, I'm sure this is what's going through their minds. And, 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 and I mean, think about it. It'd be like if you came to me and, and asked me to pray for you and I say, well, listen, are you a member of uh, Restoration Life Church? You say No be like me saying, well, no, I can't do that for you. You're, you're, just, you're like a dog. Just get out of here. I'm here for restoration lifers. We're not giving you food or any help, you dog. How many of you know we'd be kicked out of here in a heartbeat? You know, I wouldn't be pastor very long. If you came to church and we said, unless you become a member of our group, we're going to treat you like a dog, you'd be out of here. You know, if you're, and if you're not a member, you've got to have all the bad parking spots and your tithe is 50%. You know, we, because all of you, all of you are dogs until you become members of our group. Our church wouldn't last very long. We, we would get offended. We would get offended. And, you know, by the way, you know, Americans are really good at getting offended. We may not be good at anything else, but we're really good at getting offended. And we, we're living in this outrage culture where everything is offensive. And we think, by the way, can I tell you this? This is not in the part of the message, but can I tell you this? There is, there is no reason for you to begin to even have a glimmer of, of a belief that you can live in this life without being offended. So just deal with it. It's going to happen. But anyway, they, you know, we would be offended. We, we would be out of here. We'd say, you know, how dare you call me a dog? We would we'd be so upset. But look at this woman's response. Because this woman did not get offended. She's amazing. Verse 27. He just said, he just said it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Get away from me, you dog. She says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. She didn't get offended. She didn't say, how dare you call me a dog. She just said, yes, Lord. Epic faith does not get offended by God's response. Has your, has your faith ever been insulted? 
Let me tell you how your faith gets insulted. You're praying that God will heal you of your cold. Instead of healing you, it turns into bronchitis. Yeah, have you been there? I mean, you're praying for a raise at work and you're saying, Lord, I, I need a raise, give me a raise. And then boss calls you in the office and you lose your job. Your faith has just been insulted. This woman has gone from being ignored to being denied to being insulted. And listen, there are going to be times when your faith is going to be insulted. There are going to be times when you pray for one thing, and, and not only do you not get the thing that you prayed for, but then something worse seems to happen. You know, God, I need $1,000 by Friday, or I'm not going to be able to pay these bills. And on Friday, you go in faith, you say, I'm going to open this mailbox, and you open the mailbox, and all you got is collection notices instead of a check. Sometimes when our faith is insulted, it's in that moment we want to just give up. But instead of giving up, this woman, woman just says, yes, Lord, I know, I know I'm a dog. She doesn't get offended. In fact, this woman's epic faith agreed with God. Hear me this morning. Epic faith always agrees with God. And I want you to notice this as well. Notice how her prayer got a whole lot simpler as time went on. After all of these things and all these, you know, being ignored and denied and then insulted, all of a sudden the prayer is much simpler. In verse 25, she just, she just said, yes, Lord. And here's her prayer. She said, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. She went from the fancy prayer of, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me, to just simply saying, Lord, help me. Have you ever been there? See, we, we're, we're like that. We, you know, Jesus said, don't think that your prayers will be heard because of as many words. And, but, but we don't really understand that. And so we pray our, our, our famous, you know, fancy church prayers. And, you know, we'll, we'll revert into King James Version. And, and we'll start saying all these things. And we, and we sound, I mean, we can wax eloquent. Oh, Lord, God which is in heaven that reigneth above all, that, that is the Lord of the heavens and Lord of the earth, and is the Lord of my life. I beseech thee, therefore, this day, O God, that thou wouldest come unto me and you would help me in this situation. And God's up in heaven saying, huh? I don't even know who that is. But maybe, maybe God has to say no for a while to get us past all our religious pretenses, to get us past the point where we think that somehow we made it happen because we prayed the right prayer in the right way. And we get to the point where we're desperate and we just say, Lord, help me. And he says, that's what I've been waiting on, that quiet humility. Like Peter walking on the water. You know, Peter, Peter's, he's so impulsive. He makes me feel so good about myself. And they're in the boat and they see Jesus walking on the water. They don't know it's him. They think it's a ghost. And Jesus cries out and says, don't be afraid, it's me. Which is, that's constantly what he's saying to us. When we're tossed on the seas, when life is coming at us and we've been praying and we don't seem to get any answers and we don't know where Jesus is. And he says, don't be afraid. I'm here. And then Peter, I don't, I don't, I really don't understand Peter sometimes. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come walk on the water to you. I would have thought of a whole different sign. If I was going to be walking in the water, I'd be saying, 
Lord, if it's you, tell John to come walking on the water to you. That's what I'd have been doing. You know, it's a whole different approach to it. But, but Peter said that, and Jesus said, all right, come on. And then Peter, I mean, you, you talk about incredible faith. He steps out on that water, and he becomes the second man in history to walk on water. And he takes a few steps, but after he takes a few steps, he, he looks around and he sees the wind and he sees the waves. Well, he's done, I guess you can't see wind. But he saw the effects of the wind and he saw the waves and he saw the storm. He saw what was going on and it said he began to sink. And as he began to sink, you know what? When Peter was, was sinking in the water, he didn't come up with a really fancy prayer from, out of, you know, from, from somewhere off in the distance. He didn't say, oh, thou Lord God, I know that thou art the Messiah. And I know that thou art, art able to save. Would you come and take my hand and pull me from these deep waters? No. No, that's not what he did. He prayed in desperation, realizing that he could not do it himself, that he had no hope of saving himself. And he just said, Lord, save me! And Jesus said, all right, here I am. Pulled him up. That's where this woman was. She doesn't get offended. She agrees with God. But I want you to notice that not only did she not get offended, Epic faith doesn't, doesn't get offended, but also epic faith stands its ground. Because she said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Yes, Lord, I, I know I'm a dog, but in my house, when my children have eaten their fill, there's always some crumbs, there's always some leftovers, and we eat, we'll give that to our dog. So Lord, she said, Lord, if there's even a tiny crumb on your table, here's what I know. That's going to be enough. She would, I wasn't asking for a whole plate. She didn't need the whole loaf of bread, but she knew that if Jesus could give her a little crumb off the children's table, that that little crumb would be enough to heal her daughter. With that statement, Jesus turned and recognized epic faith in her life. And listen to me today. If you need a miracle, if you need a touch of God, if you need a healing, I want you to understand that just a little crumb from Jesus' table is all that you need today. You, you, may, you may have to move through not receiving your answer. You may have to move through, through getting denied and and you may have to move through getting your faith insulted before your faith gets the answer. But Jesus responded to her faith when she stood her ground. And he said, then, then he said to her, woman, you have great faith. You have mega faith. You have epic faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now listen, you may be at the point where you're ready to give up on your faith. You may be at a point where you're ready to give up believing God for something that you've been praying for. You may be at the point of saying, I don't even know why. But my encouragement to you is this. and You've heard me say it before. If you don't quit, you cannot lose. Galatians says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. We will reap a harvest. Say it with me. We will. Say it again. We will reap a harvest if what? If we do not give up. Hold on to your faith even when it's insulted. Hold on to your faith even when it seems like it's being ignored. Hold on to your faith even when it seems like it's being rejected. Hold on to your faith because in 1 John 5, 4, he wrote that this is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith, your faith will bring you to victory and God will work in your life 
for your best interests, although sometimes we forget that our best interests are anchored in eternity, not anchored in this world. Hebrews 11 tells us that anyone who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently. Say that with me. Diligently. Mary Beth, come on up. It may seem that you're being ignored. It may seem that you're being denied. It may seem that your faith is being insulted. But in spite of what appears around us to be the case, diligence keeps going. Diligence keeps moving forward. And he rewards those who diligently seek him. So, so this morning I, I challenge you, stretch your faith. Don't let it retreat at the first sign of trouble. Don't let it retreat at the first moment that you say, I, I just don't know if this is ever going to happen. Believe God will answer your heart's cry. And, and hear me on this. I, I, I believe this with all of my heart, everything that's in me. He will give you what you need when you need it in the way that you need it. He is a perfect father. I always try to give my daughters what they need. And I try to give it to them when they need it. And I try to give it to them in the way that they need it. But sometimes I fail. But he's a perfect father. He always, he will give you what you need when you need it in the way that you need it. So just hold on to Jesus. Stand firm in your faith. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. There might be somebody here today that you've just been praying, you've been fighting, whatever it is. Maybe it's over sickness, maybe it's family issues, maybe it's uh, forgiveness, maybe it's provision, finances, a prodigal that's been running, somebody you love that's lost that just seems like they're the more you pray, the further they get from God. I don't know, because we all face different battles. We're all fighting different things. And maybe you're here today and you've been, you, you, you say, Pastor David, just, I've been praying and praying and praying, but I haven't got the answer. And it just seems like I'm being ignored. It seems like God is saying, no, I'm here to tell you that God was, Jesus was at work trying to do something in that, that Canaanite woman's life. And he was trying to put her faith on display by doing, by waiting and, and, and doing things in her life. He was developing character in her. He's at work. He's at work. But this morning, if you felt like you're at the place where you're, you're just thinking, being tempted to say, what's the point? Maybe I should just quit. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I need to just quit praying. You know, Jesus said that to ask and to seek and to knock. He said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. But that word that's translated there, it literally means you keep on, you keep on asking and you'll receive. If you, if you keep on seeking, then you'll find. If you keep on knocking, then the door will be opened. And today, my, my, my encouragement to you, my challenge for you, Will you keep on asking? Will you keep on seeking? Will you keep on knocking? Will you walk in epic faith that won't be denied? 
Don't give in to the negativity. Don't start talking about all the things that are going wrong, but instead begin to talk about the goodness of God and you know that he's at work. Will you do that? This morning, if, if you're in that place and you just, I, I want to close by just praying with you. And if you're here this morning and say, Pastor Dave, I want to take a stand and I want to say, I want to say, Lord, I'm not going to give up. Maybe you're tempted. Maybe it's been hard. But you're here today saying, I want to live in epic faith. And you want to come and say, Lord Jesus, help me. If that's you, then right now, without any, without any special song, without any prayer, I want you to step out. I want you to come to this altar. I want you to stand here. And we want to pray with you this morning. There are people already coming. Without hesitation, they're already coming.